Good morning, church. Happy New Year. We're excited you guys are here with us. Let's stand and let's worship our Lord this morning. A thousand years of endless praise will never be enough. But through it all, my heart will cling to your unfailing love. Even if the trumps stop beating, my soul will keep on singing. Even louder, even louder.
It's the first of the month, so as part of our service, we get to take a time to just celebrate what God has done in our lives. So we have communion tables in the four corners of the room, and this is the way our church does it. This isn't, we're not, this isn't straight out of the Bible. This isn't how you have to do it. This is just how we do it um, in a way that allows you, if you feel led, if, the, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if this is something, this doesn't have to be your church, this doesn't have to be, uh, this is your home. If you belong to the church, then this is your church. So this is an opportunity for you to grab uh, a little wafer and a cup and bring it back to your seat. And when you're ready, you can go ahead and just partake of that when you're ready. Um, but the beauty of this moment is this. This is a time to think. You see, this, everything that we're about to do represents and is a reminder of the fact that as we reflect on our past year, this is a new year we've just begun. As you think about your last year, I don't know if you're like me, but I am the type that beats myself up over all of my mistakes. I like to dwell on them, I think about them, and I got a lot to dwell on. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. You know, some of you are right there with me, but for those of you who are like, what, I'm perfect, that's great too. Um, you're awesome. But the truth is, this is the most important thing. This is the representation of the gospel, the thing that keeps us remembering that all, anything that may come against you, that why you can't sing, why you maybe shouldn't be here, why you don't belong, why it's not for you but for everybody else, this is a moment that reminds you it is exactly for you because what would keep you from Jesus has already been handled. And now we do this as a reminder to ourselves that your shame, your sin, your past, your brokenness, it is handled. And so now all our job is to do is to remember and to be thankful. We say thank you. And this is just an opportunity to do that. So when you feel ready throughout the next two songs, go grab um, those, 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 I can't even say the word. I'm like, those, 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 those. The elements and take them back to your seat. I'm just going to pray over them for you real quick. And let's just make this a moment to just remember as we start a brand new year. God, I thank you that your word says, God, that we have the opportunity to partake in communion. The opportunity to remember what you have done by sacrificing your body and your blood, Jesus, that for any who call you Lord, we can stand joyful because the good news means something for us. Not that we're worthy and good enough and have figured it out, but that we're not. And that's the good news, that you came to be the Savior so that we don't have to. God, we pray in this moment that you would have your way in our hearts, that our worship would be pure, that it would delight your heart as we remember what you've sacrificed for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's continue our worship.
person, but I'll try to tell it really short. Um, so about two years ago in March, I um, we were done with our internship here at the church, and I actually lived um, in the house that the girl interns lived in. So I had a lot of young roommates, and it was great, but I was ready to live by myself. So I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to get a, I'm gonna get an apartment. It's going to be great. Super excited. Told my mom, don't worry. I'm looking for stuff. It'll be fantastic. So she's like, okay, cool. A week later, I was like, this is a lot more expensive than I thought it was going to be. This is not how it should be. So I, um, I'm Latin, so I cry all the time. So I was bawling my eyes out. So I, my mom calls, and I'm trying to get myself together, because when I talk to my mom, if I even have a quiver in my throat, she starts crying. And she's like, I don't know why you're crying. I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. And we just, it feeds. It's really bad. So I, I tell her, I'm like, I just don't know how I'm going to pay for this, mom. I don't know how I'm going to live by myself. It's just not a thing. I don't think it can happen. She goes, it's really funny that you say that. Your aunt wants to talk to you. Instantly, I'm like, oh my gosh, did I forget her birthday? Because one year I forgot her birthday, and she said, if you do it again, you're out of the will. That's what she said. So I was like, oh my God, did I forget her birthday? Mom goes, just call her. She wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay, cool. So I call my aunt. I call her Tia. And I said, hey, Tia, how's it going? Mom told me that you wanted to chat with me. She goes, yes. She's like, I've been praying, and I really feel like God wants us to buy a house together. And I'm like, okay, well, my bank account says no, that's not happening. I have $100 in my bank account, maybe, and I need to buy some new shoes. And so she was like, she goes, no, 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 I really feel like this is what God wants us to do. And I'm like, Tia, you know, like, I have $5 to contribute to this house. And she goes, just just trust me. I feel like this is what God wants to do. So long story short, 
she, it's not us, it's a her thing. She ended up putting the down payment for the house. I move into the house. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. I would like every five minutes just start crying because I was so overwhelmed. So I loved it. My house was so cute. My dogs just loved it. It was great. And then about a month after I moved in, I remember I was unpacking some of my plates and I see my phone vibrate and it's my aunt. And instantly, all I thought was, oh my God, she wants the house back or she wants to sell it. She doesn't, she decided this is a bad idea. And so I answered, I'm like, hi, Tia. She goes, hey, how's it going? How, I just want to check in, see how the move's going. I'm like, oh, it's going so great. Like, it's been so amazing. I start crying again. I'm like, this is just the best thing ever. And she's like, oh, we're so glad that this was able to happen. I'm so glad that we stepped out and we trusted God and we did this. And I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. And then I told her, I was like, you know, it's just so, it's such a big thing. It's not like God telling you to go buy a meal for someone. This is a house. And she goes, yeah. And, she, and I was like, that's a lot of money. She goes, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you. She's like, a couple things happened with like my stocks and stuff. And then we got a new thing at work that this new massive project. She's like, I literally just made all the money back. I've got almost got it all back. I'm like, what? Where do you work? Like, that's amazing. And what stocks are these? Like, I need to start doing this. My $5, put them in. And so I literally, it's, this is the economy of God. It's so crazy because everything in God's economy is completely flipped upside down. You want money? Give money. You want time? Give time. Like God wants us to give him the things that we need so that he can give it back to us abundantly. And my aunt is a living, she's living proof of that. She's now, two years later, she's talking about possibly buying another house with somebody else. Well, they need help. And I feel like God wants me to help them. I'm like, you do you. You're going to probably be a billionaire because of this. But it's so awesome that we actually, as a church, have the opportunity, whether it's in you know, serving in the kids' ministry or serving at church or giving in our tithe. There are so many different ways that we have this ability that it's like a harvest. We get to sow into good soil and we get to reap what God has for us. And so, church, this is a time that we, if this is your first time in the journey, we are so pumped you're here. The reason why we give is because we want to be able to have a home that people can come to constantly, that when you need a season of help, we're able to help you. And so in this next portion, I'm going to pray and the ushers are going to come forward. Can I just challenge you? What are the areas that you need most? Are they financially? Is it time? Is it love? Is it patience? Then can I challenge you that the very thing that you need the most of, just to give that to God, give him more, so more into him, so more into the kingdom so that you can reap from that. Um, there's a couple ways you can give here at Journey Church. Online, you can go to our website, or you can give it cash or check through the buckets that are going to be passed out. And um, also, you can text GIVE to that number. It'll take it out automatically. It's an awesome way to be able to simply do it from your phone. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for today. I thank you for this house, God. I thank you that your economy doesn't make any sense. That with us, one plus one equals two, but for you, it's one minus one equals two. So God, I pray that you would just give us the grace, give us the faith to give you the very things that we lack, Father. That you would be multiplying the things in our lives that we need most. We love you so much. We give you everything that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. I actually have a couple announcements for you guys. The first one is um, Barbarian Circle for the guys. Every Friday this month, they will be meeting. So if you have questions about that, make sure to go to the hotspot and you can get all the information there. Also, after church today, they are going to be making some food out there for a fundraiser. So if you want to buy some lunch, it's literally as you walk out the doors, it'll be right there under the tent. 
Um, February 8th, we have this incredible opportunity to be able to be a part of Night to Shine. Um, if you don't know what it is, there's a video on our website that kind of shows you, and last week we got to see the video, but we do need volunteers. People are always asking, well, nobody tells me when we need people. We need people. We need volunteers. So if um, February 8th, if you are free to help at, in any capacity, please stop at the hotspot, go onto our website, click on Night to Shine, and please register to be a volunteer. We need volunteers. So if you think like, oh, I don't know if they'll need me. No, I'm telling you right now, we need you. We need a certain amount of people and we don't have that. So we need more people to help out with it. Um, next, in March, we have our marriage retreat. Where's all my married couples? Fantastic, all five of you. Um, we have marriage retreat March 22nd through the 24th. It's gonna be a great time for couples to reconnect to connect with other couples and just be able to kind of take time away and focus on you and your relationships. Um, the deposit is due January 18th. They also have some sort of raffles that are going on. So if you get those deposits in, <clears throat> your name goes into a raffle for a date night pack. I don't know what that looks like, but it is what it is. So um, Grounded, that's the name of our marriage retreat that's happening in March. Uh, next. We have, starting tomorrow, I'm actually so excited about this. Tomorrow we have our 21-day fast. We're kicking it off. We're super excited. Nobody cheers for the fast, like across silent. <laughs> um, this is an incredible time for our church. I know a lot of churches across um, the world actually take the first couple, couple weeks of the year to start off um, with the fast. And so that's kind of cool because the collective church globally is taking time to unite. This is an awesome time as a church that we get to unify together and separately do something. Um, and Dave's going to kind of go and talk about what types of fasts you can do and stuff like that. But we do have some tools for you guys this year. We're stepping up our game and we're wanting to make sure that you feel fully equipped to make this fast count and make it a good one. So um, if you have Instagram or if you have Facebook, we're actually on both of them. You'd find us at AV Journey. And on the, you see that white circle that says Journey Church? When you're on Instagram, if you click on that, our story is going to constantly have some new stuff on it. There'll be encouragement. There'll be videos. There'll be tips on how, you know, what things you can eat, what you shouldn't be eating, what you should try to stay away from, some local areas that you can go and eat at, um, some tips on journaling stuff, like what are some things that you can kind of focus your fast on. We're also going to have it updated every single day. We're going to do an encouragement and a prayer focus for each of us. We're going to have the church needs up there. So all that stuff will be found on Instagram and Facebook this year so that we can do this together. We don't have to be in the same place physically, but spiritually we can all be on the same kind of page, which will be so awesome. And also we do have an opportunity every Tuesday. So the 8th, the 15th, and the 22nd for the next three Tuesdays, we will be having a prayer and worship night. We're basically going to be putting on some worship music, having some time for prayer. We're making space for us to be able to come and just collectively seek God It'll be about your personal life. It can be about the church. Whatever it is that God is moving you to pray about during this fast, please come and you have a space here. This is a huge auditorium. There's a spot you can find somewhere and you can be able to worship. Um, I started my fast a little bit earlier because I have a friend that has a birthday and I want to be able to eat a little cake and not just fruit for her birthday. So um, I've been doing it for the past couple days. And can I just tell you, God brought this verse to my mind um, in Matthew. Jesus talks about, you know, during the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
And it's so cool because Dave is talking about us seeking the kingdom and seeking God first in our life and in our year. And can I just tell you, church, that things happen when we see God, when we are in his presence. Throughout scripture, we see like Moses turned white when God's shadow passed on him. We see these different times in scripture that when God's presence is so tangible, things happen and transform in people's lives. Please join us in this time. What, at whatever capacity you can do this fast, please join us because I promise you, if we press in and we show up, he's there and he's gonna show up big in each and every one of our lives. So let's take the next couple minutes. Let's stand to our feet. Let's find somebody new or find somebody old and just give them a handshake. Good morning, everybody. Oh, seriously, I love how you love each other. And you can love each other all afternoon. Sit down and let's get going. <laughs> love you guys. So it's New Year. Happy New Year's. Happy I mean, it's, I have not seen you since last year. And it's amazing how fast time goes. Um, can you believe this is 2019? And just weird, the weirder part is next year's 2020. I mean, when I was a little guy in the early 60s, um, man, when we hit 2000, it was like, we'll be flying space cars. Seriously, we'll be going to the moon for a vacation. We'll be, I mean, by the, when the time we hit 2000, I mean, come on, George Orwell, 1984. I mean, we were supposed to be so much further along. Uh, I'll, I'll just be honest, I'm a little disappointed in us, but we're working hard. Thanks, Tesla and all those guys are trying to get us to the moon. But, well, I'm telling you, 2020 is just on our heels. Do you remember, how many of you guys remember Y2K? Okay, I know it was 19 years ago, like, what? You know, that was, <laughs> Y2K was this thing, like, when the computers all had to turn over to, you know, year 2000, it's like, they're going to all blow up, they don't know what to do with 2000 numbers and whatever. So there's all this weird stuff, and they're expecting the end of the world and chaos and crazy stuff. Well, I, I just want to let you know, it was postponed to 2020. So you have another year to get ready for that. Just kidding. So before we get started, let me just tell you one thing. Bianca mentioned it, and I want to kind of kind of hop on that as well. Marriage retreat. I want you to go. If you have that little certificate that says you are together before God so for a lifetime, you're going to need our help. If, if, you, if you've gone into that covenant, let me just say that, no, seriously, there's so much pressure in the world these days on relationships, on marriage. And... Um, Let's just be honest, it's not set up for us to succeed. The world that we live in is constantly eroding and picking at and tearing apart at the, the marriage union, and so we want to celebrate. And there's just nothing like getting away with your spouse just for a few days. We're gonna be in Laguna 
I mean, it's down on the beach. We're going to have a beautiful place at the Aries Hotel. Um, we're going to have, it's 350 bucks. And if, if you can't go because of money, would you sign up? Just do me a favor. Sign up anyway and just kind of put a dollar sign with a question mark or something by your name so that we'll know because we want to get you there. And can I also say that for those of you who are maybe abundantly resourced and you feel like you would like to help maybe another couple get to the marriage retreat, you can put in a gift donation for another couple. You can just put in market, you know, marriage retreat gift or uh, scholarship. And we want to get some, there's couples who may not have the 350 bucks. We'd love to get everybody there. So please, if, if you just want to get connected with some other couples, you want to get to know some people, you just want to get away from your kids, this is your opportunity. We'd love to get to connect with you. So sign up uh, January 19th, I think is your, or 18th, final deposit due. So get that in. We'd love to have you there. Oh, and somebody C488, go get your kid. <laughs> I love the new year. I love the promise of new. I love the opportunity to think of things a little differently. And I may be weird that way, but I know some of you are the same. Um, when the new year rolls around, you kind of like thinking, I want this to be different. And then you probably have your little mental list of how you want it to be different. And I talked last week about my heart and my prayer for you as pastor of Journey that I want for you to have the best year ever. And by best, I don't mean it's just the most prosperous, that you make the most money, that you, you meet that special someone. I hope all that's true. I hope that's amazing. But I'm talking about some things that are deep down inside of you. I want the cries of your heart, the yearnings of your soul that can't be answered, that can't be answered by stuff, by propaganda, by the right person being in office. That's that's that place that yearns down for something that is much more eternal. I want it to find its roots deeply in Jesus this year. And like Paul, last week we talked about, Paul said, I want to know Christ. After all the things he accomplished in the world and all the crazy stuff that he was a part of, he said, this is my pursuit. Even now, I just want to know Jesus. I want to know all about him. I want to, I want to be familiar with and acquainted with his suffering and what he went through for us. I want, to, I want to understand what the resurrection from the dead means. And I, I want to participate in coming back to life after I die. I, I want to be a part of all that Jesus came to do. And I, and I want that for you. And this year is a year that, for me, I, I'm just really focusing on some really deep internal kinds of things. I'm not talking about I just you know want to build a new this or fix a new that or own this. There may be a lot of other stuff that takes place, but for me, for me personally, this year, I want to refocus my life around Christ and his kingdom and just renew, renew that first love position that I had for God. I want to I really kind of get back to the focus and the, the center of things, and I want that for you as well. And what I'm looking at this year, um, as I'm praying for you and as I'm thinking about the season ahead and where we're going as a church... I was reading the greatest sermon ever written. It was uh, given by Jesus. We call it the Sermon on the Mountain or the Mount. And basically, Jesus taught a lot about what it looks like to live in deep relationship with the Father, how to be in a healthy relationship with each other, what it looks like to live the ways of God in the world. And in this crazy, crazy generation we live in, we need it more than ever. And so what we find is that Jesus is talking to regular, hardworking people. He's talking to just the, the gamut of everybody at this time, and he's saying, listen, there's ways to look at the world that will absolutely radically change your experience here in the world. 
You can reorient your way of thinking, the way of seeing, and the way of understanding the reality you're, you're experiencing. This reality you're living called life, it's actually designed on purpose. It was actually a gift to you by your creator. And when you know him and walk with him, you will have the most fulfilling life. And this is what he tells us in Matthew 6, 25. He begins to break down some of the ways that we can experience this life. And he says, um, so let me tell you, don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat, particularly don't worry about these aspects. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, and yet, your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And what this is, God of the universe is saying, hey, I love all the creatures. I made them all, but you're something special. You're unique among all creation. You bear my image and my spirit. You're more valuable. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Nope. And why worry? Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are you going to wear? For the pagans, the unbelieving, they run after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Hey, you those of you who thought God was up to, you know, no good and just wanted to ruin your life, well, let me just tell you, I want to give you all the things you need and all the things you're worried about, I want to give those to you. I just want to throw them in as a bonus. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can anybody say amen to that? <laughs> How's your trouble today? Well, it's good enough. I don't need to borrow yesterday's. I don't need to borrow tomorrow's. I got today's, and it's enough. Jesus is saying, listen, uh, there's a way of living in this reality of, the, of life. There's a way of looking at life. There's a way of proceeding through life that's going to give you all that you really yearn for and desire. And it starts with you putting God first. Luke recorded the same talk, and he included a couple other details. I mean, his, his notes were a little more thorough about what he was say, Jesus was saying to him. And so this is what he said. He goes, yeah, you got that whole thing about don't worry about all that stuff, but seek first the kingdom, his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And then he goes on. He adds this little, little caveat. Don't be afraid, little flock. This is Jesus saying, don't be afraid, my little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Hey, guys, this is what you need to know about your God. He was wanting from the beginning to give you the world. The world was his gift to humanity. He literally told Adam and Eve, now go take over. Take dominion. In other words, man, go discover its mysteries. Go fathom its depths. Go find out all the cool things. That it, I want you to go ahead and control. Go ahead and harness all of this for good. I'm, I'm giving it to you. 
And what God is saying is that now that it's broken and all of it's coming apart, listen, there's a new kingdom I'm giving to every one of you who are my kids. To all of you who put your faith in me, I'm giving you a new kingdom. I'm pleased to give you the new kingdom. The old one, you guys wrecked it. I want to give you a new one. And here's how we start. Seek first God and his kingdom. And all the other stuff will be given to you as well. In addition, I don't want to just take care of your clothes and your shoes and your drinks and all that. I want to give you heaven. I want to give you the worlds. I want to give you the galaxies. I want to give you the king, all that I rule over. I want to give it to you. I love this because what Jesus is saying is that, man, the experience that we're having right now in life can be enhanced. It can be multiplied. It can be absolutely turned inside out if we would get our priorities straight and if we would put the first things first, it could change our lives. So 2019, my goal is I want to seek God first and I want you to seek God first. I want you to put his kingdom first as I learned to put his kingdom first. And first just means before another time, before another end time or space or importance. It just first, first in line, first. Number one, so in order for us to really experience the powerful things that God wants for us and the year that he has for us, we have to put first things first. So this series we're getting into is just called First. And the next couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about what does it look like to put God first? What did Jesus mean? Seek God and his kingdom first. How, how do we seek God first? Well, things I just want to break down today from this passage and from the other texts is first. God wants to be first in your schedule. Let's make it really practical. God wants to be first in your schedule. See, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, um, he told the people of God in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Holy just means to separate it as something really, really special, right? So there's one day a week I want you to make very, very special. You have six days each week to do your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord our God, your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Now, friends, I just want to tell you that that sounds amazing. But if you struggle with that a little bit, you're a sinner. And you're just like me. And we all work our way through this thing saying, hey, wait, I've got so much to do. How can I ever get it done if I don't use all seven days? I'm literally looking at you as a guy who works for the first, you know, from 7 a.m. to you know, noon every Sunday. And like, okay, now I'm free, you know, my Sabbath. And I'm just telling you that we have been given by God a rhythm for how life was meant to be. And what he said is for the rhythm of life to work, just like drums and just like everything else. If, if you want good music, if you want good life, you have to have good rhythm. And the, and the rhythm that God set up was that Work, 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 work. Six days, rest. Work, 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 rest. And he didn't mean for us to sit around and wait on him all day long. And some people think, well, God's just this egotistical being, and he wants to... And let me just tell you, when creation was made and it was put in order, when God put man and, and woman in the garden and he put them together, said, it's very good, all the stuff I've made, now go explore, do all that stuff. But here's the thing. It said, and God came and visited them in the cool of the day. In other words, God's pattern was... He would come visit them for a portion of time because he wanted to be with them. It's not because he wanted to lord over them or have them fall down and worship or just sit there and sing songs to him all day. That's not God's thing. He doesn't need that. 
He gave us life to enjoy it, to experience it, to, to live it to the fullest. And God is not on a power trip that he needs you just to sit around and think about him 24-7. He just says, listen, for you to get the harmony and the rhythm of life and for you to really get the most out of life, you've got to start by being connected with me first. If you don't get your center around that truth, you will not get the most out of life. As a matter of fact, you'll be pursuing things for the rest of your life that will never fit. You'll be filling a hole in your heart that only gets bigger the more you stuff in it. It won't work. Seek me first. First day of the week, Sunday, or for in the literal world, it was Saturday. Um, it was the day that the week began. And so they basically set aside that day, and they would go to worship. There would be a gathering. There would be a temple sacrifice. There would be time for, for singing. There would be people expressing what the written words of God or the prophetic words of God or the thoughts of God. And they would be basically gathering around to hear and to unify their hearts around God first. God wants you to connect with him. God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to schedule him first. And I know how crowded life is. I know. Because tell the first service, this weekend we had 13 people at our house, and Christmas it was more. And it's just like we have a lot going on. We have a ton, a ton of people. We have always, you know, activity and movement and this demand and that need and pressure. And there's so much going on. And I get it. I'm a classic just workaholic. I just don't know how to rest well. As a matter of fact, I have for the majority of my life flat out disobeyed this teaching of scripture. And I'm owning that because I'm ashamed that I have to stand up and say to you, follow me by what I say, not what I do. I don't want to be that guy anymore. And my health has taken me in a direction that I realize that I cannot continue to do the, what I've done in the past. And live to talk about I, I need to get my life ordered around the way the rhythm of God and so this is something we have to figure out that we need to learn how to give God a day and can I just tell you that it's very very difficult for those of you who have kids that are in sports and you've got work that's you know certain days a week and you can't have Sundays off well let me just let you know let you off the hook a little bit about what day is Sunday or what day is Sabbath because Paul was asked that question in Galatians he went into great, great detail about this he's like listen some of you worship on sabbath some of you have this new moon thing when you know the cycle of the moon and all that he goes listen we're going to consider every day a day given to us by god and just make sure you focus god first on one day you give him a day worship god spend time listening and growing and and resting and and just spend time away from the normal routine it's got to be different from the normal routine and let's, this, this old adage, seven days without prayer makes one week, you know, W-E-E-K, like it makes one whole week. No, it's W-E-A-K, it makes one week. You lose focus, you lose connectedness when you're not with him. So form a habit starting in, uh, each day, I'm sorry, each week with God. Make Sunday a worship gathering priority. Sports, events, activities and all that, it's really good, but make this a priority and if you work on Sundays typically and you get once in a while off then make sure whatever day you set aside as that day that you do give yourself rest that you don't do normal things that you spend time with friends or just talking about watching services online of here or somewhere else that you actually give God that day make Sunday a habit fight for it put it first it's very difficult I know you work six days a week. Everybody, you know, needs downtime to spend, you know, a couple hours at church. It's not easy. 
but make a habit of putting God first in your week. Can I just say that God wants to be first in your day? I mean, I would just say that every, every day that you put him first in the morning, that if I don't start right off the bat with my first few thoughts, my first few after I get ready, if I don't do that then, then I'm telling you, everything just kind of runs into high speed and I, I miss out. So I have to do that first thing in the morning where I just literally stop myself and say, nope, before anything else, break open the scriptures, quiet your heart, and listen to God for a few minutes. What is God saying to you? What is he up to? What does he want to challenge, encourage, you know, renew in you? What, is, what does he want to fix? And I just spend that time. And that's when I also pray, and we'll go into that another Sunday, but give God the first of your day. Give him the first of your week. And it's very difficult. But God wants to be first in your schedule. He wants to be priority. Next, God wants to be put first in our loves. God wants to be the first of our loves, of our affections, of our treasures. He wants, Jesus was once asked, what does God want most? All right? What is all the gods, and this was the Roman and Greco-Roman world. They had lots and lots, pantheon full of gods. And Jesus is out there. He's proclaiming there is one God, and this one God is the ruler over, creator over everything. And they're like, but all the gods always want taxes and offerings, and they want all these special things, and it's like impossible to please them all. And Jesus, and they said, so here's what God wants. Let's boil it all down. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. With all, what does God want? He wants your love. He wants your heart. He wants you. God wants relationship with you. God's primary desire from us is a relationship where he's first in our hearts, first in our affections, first in our loves. Like any relationship, who wants to love somebody who loves somebody else? That happens too often. But who wants to be in love with somebody that doesn't love you? And this is how it feels like for God. It's like, well, I've given you everything, and I love you, and yeah, I, I just want your love. When I was dating Lori, I mean, I gave everything I had to win her affection, to win her attention, to win her heart. I mean, this is when you're kids. You do that stupid stuff like, look at no hands, you know, and, you know, watch me and you, everything you do, you know, whatever, you know. I could, <laughs> anything you do to impress somebody, you know. I mean, I want your love. I want your texture. I want to be the center of somebody's world. I want, to be the, I want to be the focus of somebody's love. I want to be the center of somebody's heart. I want to be special to somebody, right? And so we work hard, and we win their love, and we try to keep their love, and then you know, move on in relationship. So you, you want, and I won her, and I mean, it was amazing. And, and I tricked her, and she thought it was amazing. So we were together for all these years and dating, and then I realized, man, if I want this to be a forever kind of love where her heart is in it, i got to put a ring on it. I've got to make a commitment to this. I can't just keep saying, yeah, I like you the best. Really, I really do. I've got to move in that direction. So we made the covenant, right? And ever since we've been married, um, I've never had to worry again about her heart not being mine, right? Because she has a ring on. Sorry. That's not how it works. I mean, if it's just a matter of putting a ring or signing a covenant or walking down the aisle, then we'd have a world full of happy people. That's not what happens. Because our hearts, they venture. Our hearts, they continually look for a place where they are celebrated and central. 
And God is saying, when you realize that I was your maker and that I was the one who wove you together in your mother's womb, that I was there for every single thought, every single breath, every single step, every single failure, every single celebration, I was there for every single game, and I was there for every single thing you did. Success and failure, I watched it all, I was there, I was, I was, your, I was right with you. And what I want is just the relationship with you to be first. I mean, for Lori and I, it's like, it's, it's not going to work if she says, you know, I love you. You're like, I'm crazy about you. And so I'm going to give you Thursday nights, date night, it's ours. And uh, the other nights, I'm going to probably be with somebody else. But I really do, I really, I'm into you. I really am into you. Nobody wants a relationship like that. And God is simply saying, listen, of all the gods and all the things that are worshipped and all the things that get priority and the things that get primary attention, I'm the only one that's real and I want to be first. I'm your creator. And I love you. I'm crazy about you. I want a relationship. And that's how God is with us. He, he loves us so deeply. He wants the relationship of love. He doesn't want mandated love. It's like if Lori knew that Thursday nights was like, oh, every Thursday night, we got to go hang out. Okay, put in my hour. How much time do I have left? You know, I mean, it would break my heart. And some people are that way with church and with God. And it's not because maybe, maybe church is boring or maybe you don't get it. But let me just tell you what, God is not boring. And when you get into a relationship with him and you begin to discover what he has to say and what he wants for you and from you, it's good and it's all in your favor. It's all in your favor. So when you think about that, God doesn't want a robot. He wants your heart. Question I have for you. If somebody evaluated your life right now, what, what would they assume you love most? If they just looked at your schedule and they looked at your checkbook and they looked at the way that you spend your energy and focus and the thing that you delight in the most, what, what, would, you, what would you assume? What would people assume is central to your affection? God is simply saying, listen, I know I'm invisible. I know that I, I came to give you life and I'm going to show you how to love me. That's what the scriptures do. They help us align our hearts and our loves with him. So we need that and we need each other to do that. But if I were to evaluate my life right now, what would what would look like my first love? Next question. What would it look like if you chose to love God more than anything else? If you chose that this year I'm going to truly seek God first in his kingdom. I'm going to, to know Christ like I've never known him before. What would that look like? Jesus knew what many of us love most, and he knew what was the competition. Jesus looked at the competition. He declared it in Matthew 6, 24. He said the number one competition for you loving God first, most humanity is this. No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and, there it is, money. And the word is actually mammon, which means stuff. You can't serve both God and all the trinkets of the world. You can't love him and all of that stuff equally. One is going to win. Competition, he said, which is it in your heart? Money is number one in most people's hearts. Things, possessions, stuff. And Jesus and Paul taught that there is a grip that, that money and stuff gets on our heart, and God wants to break the grip of that. And one of the ways he does that is he turns it inside out. Like Bianca talked this morning, when you, when you want to be more like God and you want to put him first, you give. You give. That's how living and giving generously, putting God and his kingdom and his work First, in your finances. I know it sounds like, oh, self-serving. You know, the church needs, wants our money. You know, I, I always tell you this. If you don't want to give here, don't. 
We don't need your money. God has a way of providing for his kingdom work. But what you need to know is the competition in your heart for stuff versus God has to be broken somehow, is to be bridled somehow, is to be changed somehow. And the way that Jesus gave us to do that is to become generous people where that can't get its hooks in us because we're constantly giving it away. We're constantly looking outwards. And we're just saying, I'm not going to let that stuff be first in my life. I'm just going to keep shedding myself of all the stuff and I'm going to keep my heart open so that Christ can be central. And that's why, you know, Paul even said about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian church on the first day of every week, first day of the week, put it first, set aside the sum of money, keep in with your income. And that was the whole concept of everybody gives and everybody participates and everybody sacrifices, everybody. But this is not so that the, you know, pastors can drive Mercedes or whatever, which I don't. But they, this, is, this is so that the kingdom work can continue. And let me just tell you that you need some way of unhinging your heart from stuff. Because I want to be first in your love. So I would say be lavish in your generosity towards the kingdom. And whatever that is to the poor, to the works that God is doing, to places that you see that truly God is working there, I want to be a part of that, then be generous to those, in those ways. And generous in worship. God wants to be first in our loves. Next one, he wants to be, he wants to be first in our pursuit. In our in our, what we put our energy into. Matthew 6, 31, it goes on. He says, so don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? I, want, I, I just don't know what I'm going to eat, especially during the fast. What, I'm so hungry. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these other things will be given to you as well. Don't pursue the stuff first. He's saying, listen, it's okay to have nice things. In fact, our Father in heaven even talks, Jesus talked about it. He goes, if you earthly fathers and mothers like to give good gifts to your kids, you love to be generous on Christmas, he goes, you have no idea how generous God is. He wants to give, pour out blessings on everybody who asks him. That's what Jesus said God is like. He loves to give good stuff, but he never wants you to love the stuff first. I'm going to give you a great car. I'm going to give you a great job. I'm going to give whatever. And I just don't want you to get too attached to that. I love how Bianca said her aunt, you know, was God's tool to help bring her a home. I, I think that's the coolest thing ever. I want your aunt to be my aunt. Be my aunt. You want to look for a new investment? Here we go. But just saying, <clears throat> Jesus said, I want to give you the kingdom. I, I, listen, little flock, I want to give you the kingdom. All this stuff, I want to take care of all that. Don't let those pursuits eclipse God. Some of you are so busy chasing the dream. You, I mean, you're, get, you're, you're putting that ladder against the wrong wall. When you get to the top of the, you know, you climb the wall and you realize, hey, I got to the top and I realized it was the wrong wall. So many people on their deathbed tell me it's, you know, they, they look around and they're like, man, I just wish my kids, I wish my family, I wish this, I wish that. They never say, I wish I'd worked hard. I wish I'd put in more time at the office. They always say, I wish I had put other things first. I wish I'd focused on my relationships. I wish I had known God. Now I'm terrified to see. This is what we're saying. Don't pursue those things. Make God your pursuit to know him. When Jesus said we seek first the kingdom, it means that we're to learn to live in that new way of, of life. Here's the thing. The kingdom of heaven has come. Jesus unleashed it. He inaugurated it. He launched it. The ways and the rule of God has begun. Kingdom of God just simply means when God's in charge, when God rules. Now we know there's an if I mean, there's, there's a now-then kind of concept. There's the now, 
The kingdom has been launched, but then he will come in glory and power and he will reign physically on the earth. But now we're kind of like in the beginning. So here's what you need to understand. This new way of living, Jesus said, you are going to show the world what it looks like when we come under the rule of God. You, as my followers, are going to be the first examples, the living examples of what it looks like to be under the rule of God. You're going to surrender your life and the ways of your governing, you know, your lives to God. And you're going to come under this new king. Talking to a friend yesterday, Jeffrey and I were talking about the way the world is right now and the brokenness of all our systems. And, you know, the government shut down, right? The government shut down, and if you didn't work for the government, I'd say, yay, shut it down some more. You know, I'm just like, get rid of the government. I'm so sick of the government. I'm so sick of the way things go corrupt, and these get broken, and they just get abusive. And I, I, just, I, I just hate that. But the fact of the matter is, as we're talking about it, we're looking at communism, we're talking about socialism, we're talking about the different uh, monarchies and the different ways that the, the world has come into, what governing systems can we come up with? What are the, what are the best? And... Uh, Sociologists, you know, many people say that a benevolent, you know, dictator is probably the best. Somebody who's really, really good, really, really kind, really, really wise that actually just is in charge. But we know from Scripture that a theocracy, where God is in charge, where God literally has his ways of the world being run, where everybody has to answer to him and he's ultimately in charge, everything works right. Everything. But anytime you put humans in charge, I don't care what system it is, and believe me, I love the American system better than any other system, and I've studied them all. I'm like, I love the American system better than any other, but it's broken because people are running it. And I don't care if you're for this or, for, or against this you know, government or this president or anything else. Let me just tell you, when Jesus rules, it will be perfect, but he is only ruling where you let him. He's only in charge where you put him in charge. And right now, Jesus is saying, I want the kingdom of heaven to break into the kingdom of this dark world and show them as a shining example. It'll be like a light in the darkness. It'll be like something catching fire, a city on a hill. It's like you will not be able to ignore this if the people of God actually live under the rule and, and the rules and the ways of God now. If we love and forgive and serve and do the things, and, and if we do these things that Jesus commanded, I'm telling you, the world will begin to say, how do I get in on that? This is the way it should be. And what we're experiencing is that when a person places their faith in Jesus, the rule of God, the reign of God begins right now in you. You're literally taking the scriptures and saying, okay, now how do I walk in this new kingdom life? You're literally following the, the teachings of Jesus and saying, okay, I'm going to align my relationships this way, my sexuality this way, my finances this way. I'm going to be focused on the future this way. I'm going to prepare for, you know, everything this way. That's what the kingdom life is. It's coming under the rule of Jesus now as we prepare for forever. Sounds great, right? But the world out of whack, how do I put his kingdom first in practical ways? Let me just give you one tool. We're going to just hit this briefly, and then I'm going to send you out. I want to I send you out with a tool. It's called fasting. I want to retool my year. I want to refocus my year. And many, let's be honest, the world is blurry. It's so hard to see. The lines have all been smudged and everybody's they're changing everything out there. The rules are all changing. So what we need is to get our eyes focused once again on the truth and what's happening in the world as God defines it. And so what fasting does, fasting according to Strong's concordance is just to abstain as a religious exercise from food or drink either entirely, if the fast is but a single day, 
or from customarily uh, choice nourishment if it's several days. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Simply stated, fasting is a spiritual discipline of denying our physical appetite to increase our spiritual appetite. What I'm asking, a fast is saying no to food. It's like I'm not going to eat. During those times that I would eat, I'm going to spend those bringing my spirit and my mind and my life back under the rule of Christ. I'm going to begin reading scripture. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to others about what's going on and what I'm thinking and what I'm learning, where I'm growing, but I'm, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. The time that would normally be given for food is going to be given for spiritual passion and development. I don't know about you, but if your marriage, if your marriage is dull and it's just like, man, I wish we had that fire. I wish we had that and it's like, it'll never be the same again. Let me just tell you, that's what Jesus said it's like in relationship with him for a lot of people. It's just dull. And he says, I want you to go back to the things you did at first. And that's kind of great marriage advice too. go back to the things that really brought you there in the first place. Reignite that fire. And Jesus was telling the church and, uh, you know, Revelation, this one church kind of gotten lost. He's like, I want you to go back and renew your passion and refocus. Do the things you did at first. So what a fast is, it's a way for people to separate themselves from all the activity of the day, pull away during a meal time or whatever, spend time just reconnecting with God, re-engaging your spirit, opening your heart to God. Fasting is saying, I'm going to deny my appetite for food so I can grow my appetite for the kingdom. And I just want to tell you that this is one of the powerful things that has changed my life over the years. So every year, Journey starts the first 21 days, or the first month at least. We set aside 21 days in January to do the fast, and we invite everybody to go on it. And I'm inviting you. And what it looks like is for the first three days, I'm inviting everybody just to, um, who can, and again, some medical reasons and some, you know, demands from work and other things that I know you can't do the full three days uh, with just water. But I'm inviting you to take the, the, the fast. There's three kinds of fast that talked about in scriptures. There's the absolute fast, no food, no water, just air. And let me tell you, the only two people I'm aware of that did it were Jesus and Moses. And God told them to do it, and it was only till he said stop. And so if God tells you to do it, do it, fine, but probably not going to happen. So then there's the normal fast, which is no food, just water, just, just liquids. And that's what most of the scriptures talk about as a fast, which is you're taking time away from food. And, and then there's the partial fast, usually involves giving up like food and drinks of a certain kind, um, like doing only vegetables and fruit, like we call it the Daniel fast or the Daniel plan. And um, we do it for 21 days. Some people say, why 21 days? What's magic about that? Nothing. But psychologists say that it takes 21 days to form a new habit, to start a new pattern, to change your life. So we're going to give you the 21 days to do it. 21 days. And also because that's what Daniel did when he was separating himself from the craziness of his world to seek God for a, a really, really important moment that he needed an answer. And that 21 days turned out to be revolutionary. Seven days, three times. And what I'm just going to suggest we do. Most, most of you have heard of the Daniel plan. I'm, I'm going to just ask that maybe we start off with three days, 72 hours, where we just say, God, I'm just going to, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to just do the water thing. And I'm going to spend those meal times in a quiet place where I can pray, listen to worship, and I can read and just kind of connect with you. 
And guys, we've made it so easy. We've put the plans on our website. We've put them out there so you can go on Instagram. And Bianca every day is updating those with devotions, with connections, with links. You can get those downloadable uh, reading plans. There's just a lot of great resources she's going to be making available. But just for three days, maybe start out that way. And then some of you will want to continue. You're like, you know what? I really like how this is changing me. I don't like how I feel. I feel horrible. But I like where my mind and my heart are going. I'm going to continue this. And some of you are going to just continue to do water for a portion of your day, like maybe a meal a day, maybe all three meals for some of you who are hardcore. Um, maybe you can't do that because of the physical nature of your job or health issues. So um, one of the ways we do it, we recommend checking out the Daniel plan. It's really popular these days. Daniel comes from Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was a young man who was taken into captivity when the Nebuchadnezzar brought the Babylonians, invaded Israel, decimated them, took all the best resources to Babylon. And among those resources, he took the best and the brightest of their people. So he had a whole slew of young people from all the nations that he'd con conquered, which was the known world. And basically, he set up a program. He goes, I want to recruit the best of the best of the best of all nations. And I want them to come into my service, and I want them to be my advisors as well as my warlords. I want them to be in my service. It will be the greatest kingdom that ever lived. And he was trying to do this on the backs of these young men. Well, Daniel was one of those young men. He got selected as one of the best of the best of the best of his entire nation to come into the king's special service. And he was basically given a special diet. And they, they were given this, like, I want you to have the king's food. That means the choicest meats, the best wines, all of the special stuff that they were given. And Daniel stopped and he pushed back. He goes, wait, I'm entering a whole new season of life under the leadership and the rule of this foreign kingdom. I need to get myself and my mind around what God is doing, what God is saying in this. So would it be okay, he asked the leader of this little group. He said, would it be okay if I didn't eat, if me and my friends didn't eat the regular king's food, if we just ate the real simple stuff, just vegetables and fruit, if we just made our dinner and our meals, all our meals, just fruit and vegetables for this time period, this 21 days, then you can check. If we're weak or if we can't con compete, if we're doing not so well, then yeah, we'll change our plan. But would you allow us to do this as we seek our God? He said, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And sure enough, at the end of the 21 days, Daniel and his friends were at the top of the top of the top of all the nations, of all the people that were chosen. They were the best. They were the brightest. They were the most healthy. And so Daniel's plan, Daniel's fast, Daniel's way of doing this, seeking God with just fruits and vegetables, became kind of a thing that people have done ever since. When people have things they really want to connect with God, really want to hear from him, really want to break through, really want to change, really want some insight, really want to see God do something new in their life, heal their marriage, free them from an addiction, they fast. They go into a season of intense prayer and focused uh, reflection, seeking God, reading and this is where we learn that it's really not about the food as much as it is about the focus. And that your heart has got to be truly his. And that's why I just love to get away from all of it just for a while, just because it helps me so much to not even think about it. I mean, I think about it 24-7, really. But I'm not thinking about it when I sit down and prepare meals and it takes all that time. I just literally go into that place of quiet prayer. And so I'm just inviting you to join us for this the next uh, 21 days. You can start tomorrow, you can start any day you want, you can start whenever is appropriate, but for the, during the month of January, set aside, will you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Will you use this fast and every Tuesday night for the next three weeks, maybe to come join us for 6.30 to 7.30, just time of prayer, and it's really just 
very, very loose. It's not like some highly structured service preaching and all that. It's just time for us to come, sit in the presence of God, connect together as friends and as family, and just kind of talk about what God's up to. That's what we're doing. I'm going to invite you on this journey. And as the band comes forward, I'm going to pray over you. Because there's nothing I want more for you than that this year be the best year ever for you to really connect with God. Really understand why you're here and, and the purpose he has for you. And really begin to seek first the kingdom. So let me pray for you. God, as we close this time, I'm so grateful. So grateful for the scriptures that give us the wisdom for how to live and how to walk and how to, how to be new in this relationship with you. And I'm thankful that we have the, the prosperity and the wealth and the health most of us, that we can give up food and not stress about it because we know it's there when we're done. You provide for us so well. But God, what we want most, more than just continuing to do life as we've done it, we want something new from you. We need new insights. Some of us need new breakthroughs. We need new wisdom. We need, we need a way of getting our lives focused on what is really most important. And I pray that this would be that season. So lead us, Lord God, as we seek you as a community, as we pray and worship and put you first, Lord God, that you would bring all those things that you said in scriptures flourishing in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things that are the fruit of relationship with you, I pray that would come into our lives. And we ask you to lead us in this time to a year that will never just never be forgotten. As a church and as individuals, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, you're going to stand with me, would you please? Let's sing together. We have one last song before we send you out. Don't forget to get your updates on our Facebook and Instagram. See you guys next Sunday. Let's worship.